All right, this is InfoSec Decoded number 74 with five dimensions. So we're starting with the squid game. Somebody a couple of weeks ago made a squid game cryptocurrency and all the press like the BBC and everybody reported, oh, there's a new cryptocurrency, why everybody should buy it. But the more discerning people at Gizmodo said, oh, this looks a little fishy, even in the world of cryptocurrency. Here's a few clues. You can buy it, but you can't sell it. There's no way to get your money back out. All the promotion material is in a closed Telegram scan, uh, channel where no one can comment except the founders who say it's wonderful. And uh, I said, you know, we don't recommend investing in this. And a few weeks later, they had a new scam I hadn't heard of called pulling the rug out. The founders kept like, you know, some large amount of the coins. And so after it made it up to like a few million dollars in there, they just sold it all, making the price fall to zero and leave. Then they turned off the website and they're gone. And, you know, there's various entertaining things here in the first place. I mean, who couldn't see that this is worthless? In the second place, is it actually a crime? I wonder, under what circumstances you invest in something? Anyway, um, but now they all, they all lost their money. Uh, um, couple, three, three, three million gone that way. And uh, now they're saying, hey, everyone should have like warned us they shouldn't have made those uncritical articles. But I have sympathy with the BBC. It says, you know, there's like 1,000 altcoins. Somebody makes a new altcoin. How are we supposed to know that it's more of a scam than all the rest? Anyway, then Quentin Tarantino is taking scenes from Pulp Fiction, I think unaired scenes, and selling them as NFTs. And the current NFTs are sold on public blockchain so everybody can see who owns them. And in fact, they don't connect you to actually seeing it. This one here claims two things which are new. One is it's on a new privacy-preserving NFT blockchain called the Secret Network. So you can buy one of these and people can't tell who you are. And the second thing is somehow it provides authentication so only the owner of the object can view the scene, which all sounds extremely unlikely to be true to me because the previous NFTs have been totally exposed by like Moxie Marlin Spike. They don't actually store the data on the chain. All they store is a URL in the chain, which points to a server where you can put anything you want. Now you could totally have a page with a password on it or something at the server, but they could just change it tomorrow where it could go down and then you've got nothing. And there've been so many scandals about NFTs last week. Another, one of the major NFT makers said, you know, we need to find a way to end right click or this will never work. And there's something called Bored Apes NFTs, and somebody bought some. And then he said, hey, somebody tricked me with social engineering in Discord and stole my apes. So all the, the two major exchanges for selling NFTs canceled his apes so nobody can sell them. And then they're trying to give it back to him. And then a bunch of third-party people came up and said, wait a minute. I thought the whole point of the blockchain is that sales are final and nobody can undo things. And how do you know this guy owned them in the first place? He's just some random guy on Twitter claiming he owned them. This could just be a scammer taking them now. And you can just cancel them. You can return them. Wait a minute. If you could do that, then what's the point of the blockchain? <laughs> this might as well be just the Bank of America. So everybody is screaming and yelling and hair on fire about it. Anyway, everybody's jumping in NFTs like they're legitimate, even though they make no sense at all. So cryptocurrency continues as usual. Um, someone explained it on Twitter last week with a good summary. He said, here, hold this hand grenade. It's going to go off in some random time and you get $10,000 for every 10 minutes you hold on to it. Now, how long are you hold on? That's basically what it is. There's another Tether scandal. Tether has been investigated and found to have no actual cash backing up any of their um, several 
hundreds of billions or trillions of dollars and they pump up Bitcoin with it by just printing more tether. So at some point it will all crash well, and we'll have 1929. Anyway, what could possibly go wrong? Exactly what went wrong in 1929 for exactly the same reason. You have a bunch of unregulated banks that are nothing but crooks throwing money around like it means nothing, telling people they're rich when all they have is a number in a database, which will suddenly be worth nothing. <laughs> anyway, uh, so let's go on. Liz has a house that's got stolen. Yeah, this was an interesting and weird story that I think will eventually unfold to be a, uh, I think it will eventually unfold to be a, a newer breed of uh, cyber scam. Um, this guy in uh, Luton, England, um, there's a story on the BBC about this that I thought was pretty fascinating. This guy in Luton, England uh, was living in a, a different town. Um, he was in North Wales and while he was out of town, his house got sold out from under him uh, for hundred over $178,000. Uh, essentially he was working um, uh, was working in Wales and he got this call from his neighbor saying there's people in your house the lights are on this is very strange because we know you're not at home and so he um, called the police and the police uh, apparently didn't do anything so he drove to the house to see what was going on knocks on the door and comes inside and the guy says you're in my house now it's been sold to me i have all these documents with your name on it that you signed saying you sold me this house there was a picture of your driver's license and everything and the guy says well this is forged i didn't sell my house i've been out of town and the guy said i don't care it's my house now get the hell out and so he did and then he tried to call the cops and the cops said hey man there's nothing we can do here uh, <laughs> police said, um, well, it's not fraud, uh, and the house has been sold. So you're, 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 uh, SOL buddy, uh, call your lawyer and, and figure it out that way. So, well, yeah, well, I think he, so. <laughs> here he is, he's got his house is gone and, uh, the cops are like, this isn't fraud clearly. Um, and, uh, but, but then apparently, um, they doubled back around and started investigating, <laughs> presumably once the guys, uh, solicitors contacted them. So, well, but, but I think the cops are right. I mean, you really need a lawyer. The cops say, look, uh, we'll throw somebody out if you'll decide who actually owns this thing, but that's not our call. <laughs> exactly. And that, and that happens all the time here too, but, um, you know, maybe telling the guy that, hey, this definitely wasn't fraud right off the bat was not the best, probably not the best approach for the police. Well, you know, what I liked was the guy a few years ago in America, some guy went on Craigslist and when his neighbor was out of town said, oh, I'm moving and I don't need all this stuff. Just go in and take the stuff for free. And all these branded people drove up and the door was locked. So they took the door off and then they took out the stove and the refrigerator and the dishes and the furniture and everything. And he came home. Find the door gone, everything gone. Oh God! And there, you know, there's no hope of ever finding those people or anything. No, never again. Your your stuff's just gone. So, yep. but but I mean, the whole house is next level. Um, and and by the way, all of his stuff was gone too when he got there. Everything yep. and like down to the carpet and curtains was gone. Yep. Yeah, clearly you need a lawyer and a lawsuit and stuff. 
Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully this doesn't become a trend. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. And then we've got Irvin with Signal. Um, yes. So Signal uh, was given a search warrant by the Santa Clara uh, County cops. And they basically said, we can't. We don't have that info. Now, Signal is Moxie Marlin Spike, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah, and so he says, we don't log anything. We don't know anything. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, that's what all the VPNs say, but it's not true. But apparently it is true at Signal. Yeah, apparently it is true at Signal. One of the few places where that, that is actually a true statement. Uh, so they, you know, Moxie being Moxie, put up the, the whole thing, the whole search warrant for everyone to read with a couple of things redacted, but enough to see what they're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. And he, and he's, he's talking to like uh, the ACLU and Jennifer Granick and a lot of heavy hitters saying, you know, how do we organize this? So we don't log anything. And we do respond to search warrants by giving them everything we have, which is like some meaningless uh, cookie number for you or something. Mm -hmm. Well, that's great. Yeah. It's nice if, uh, if there were more people that could actually do that. Now, you know, what'll happen though, is this is what happened to, um, I think it was either Jacob Applebaum or, oh, it was um, uh, the guy that leaked, went to Russia. Edward Snowden's email service was also private. And they came to him with an NSL saying, you must put malware on your site, find out this guy's stuff, break all your security features and never tell anybody. And the guy just closed the business. And they said, tough, closing the business does not free you from the obligation to hand over this data. You have to go through your backups and find this data and give it to us. So it's, uh, the problem is, I mean, Moxie has this nice extreme privacy thing, but the fact is uh, the feds can compel him to break it and to lie about it. Uh, so that's, that's a fun fact <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so Alan's got uh, the NRA. The NRA has been hacked and, in addition uh, to the boss, the, the, the leader going to prison and stealing all the money, right? Uh, Wayne LaPierre? Or was yeah. Figure? Yeah, I thought, anyway, I thought the whole thing went down because he embezzled all the money. Anyway. Oh, that's interesting. That was over the last couple of years. Anyway. I'm not aware of that. Yeah. Uh, but in this case, it's the Grief Ransomware Group, which is just another name for... Um, Evil Corp, which has been in the news some. Uh, Sounds like it should be a partner of the NRA, not an enemy, but anyway. Well, yes, and this is where things get really interesting, is that um, many of these ransomware groups are um, composed of Russian speakers and are presumably operating mostly, uh, their, their, their participants are mostly in Russia. And in many cases seem to be operating with a certain uh, license from the Russian government. Um, yeah. Maybe not officially, of course, but there's a tacit understanding that the ransomware groups are furthering the interests of the Russian government. Well, I think it's official. Putin has made official statements saying these people are not breaking any Russian law and we will protect them from any evil Americans that try to arrest them. Right, but the Russian government isn't exactly paying them or isn't directing them to go after certain targets. That I think they no. haven't exactly admitted, yeah. Yeah, so um, they're definitely, at, uh, at a minimum, 
tolerated and perhaps they're even embraced by the Russian government. Yeah. So this is an unusual situation in that uh, grief has targeted an organization in the NRA that has also been embraced by the Russian government. And uh, oh. after all, a number of uh, NRA figures, including Wayne LaPierre, were invited to Russia a few years back and have attended some rather high profile events. Uh, and also the um, convicted uh, spy from Russia, uh, Maria Botina, was also very much um, targeting NRA figures and was trying to ingratiate herself into the organization, which she did rather successfully. Mm. So um, at any rate, it's interesting that grief has gone after the NRA and maybe they just happened to get lucky with a, just one of their many targets. Um, and now the Russian government is going to be mad at them. And so they'll have to relent and give the NRA all the keys. Or maybe this is more concerted and they uh, actually targeted the NRA for a reason. Hard to know, mm. but an interesting situation and certainly one that might have uh, consequences for the NRA if Grief decides to post uh, data from this breach. They did drop a few documents, but nothing very revealing. So maybe Grief gets paid off or maybe Grief doesn't get paid off because Grief is on the watch list from the U.S. government. Um, and yeah, so the NRA cannot legally pay them, right? They cannot legally pay this organization, right. And it's pretty obvious that uh, if they do, so. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. And I, I, I didn't know the NRA was that closely tied to Russia, but it does make sense because there's certainly a way to like divide America and that's Russia's goal. Yes. Uh, the NRA after it all is a very divisive organization. So. Yeah. And that's been Russia's goal all along. But that's why they pushed both Trump and Bernie saying either one of those guys will set the place on fire, which I think is quite fair. Although to be fair, uh, the Trump organization had much closer ties to various Russian figures and yeah. historically has, whereas Bernie had nothing to do with the Russian government. Well, yeah, yeah. I think the, the, the Trump people just said, sure, great. Russia will help us. That would be swell. We'll gladly take their help. Yeah. And I don't think Bernie had that attitude. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I think the NRA is toast. They can't pay the ransom. They're probably not getting their stuff back. Unless the Russian government tells grief to knock it off. Well, yeah, but I will see. I, I doubt they'll do that. I think um, this is this is the thing that all the people near Trump haven't figured out. When you're used by an agency like a government, they just throw you away when they're done with you. That's true. This is I'll say, well, you know, you guys have, have ex exceeded your shelf life anyway, so goodbye. <laughs> and I think the NRA has pretty much exceeded its shelf life. They don't have much power anymore. Anyway, so I, there's this new company called Valtry that just came out, and they claim they're a encryption. They got encryption as a service, and they claim that they will give you, hey, what is this? Okay, they will let you have homomorphic encryption, fully encrypted data, where you can search it and process it without ever decrypting it at all, and they will provide it as a service, so you don't have to handle the keys or anything. So uh, this is pretty interesting. I've been talking about homomorphic encryption for a few years. The idea of homomorphic encryption is that you can use data without decrypting it, 
and you can give you some key that gives you access to only a small part of the information in the data, but no more. So it sounds great, but it is incredibly complicated and slow, like more than a thousand times slower than other encryption techniques. But these guys seem to feel like they've somehow got some version of it running fast enough to sell. So uh, I didn't see a free trial yet of any of this stuff on the page, but I would like to know, you know, what uh, what we can make of this Vultry stuff. So I, I'm very interested to learn more about it and play with it. Anyway, then Liz has got uh, fake jobs. Yeah, so this is pretty interesting, I thought. Um, it's a story in uh, ProPublica about uh, the way that there has been a market increase in um, scammers using job posting to harvest people's uh, identities for scams, which when you think about it makes a ton of sense because um, when you apply to jobs, uh, oftentimes you're sharing all of your PII and uploading copies of your documents. I've even had to uh, upload a copy of my passport before for a job, which thankfully turned out to be like legit in that case, but uh, it's not always the case, unfortunately. And now also, especially now with people, lots of people out there looking at new jobs and trying to get hired, uh, they, it, the um, victims are ripe for the picking. So uh, they are really, um, kind of amping this up. And there was one sort of interesting example in here where uh, the scammers had just registered a domain um, that was very similar to Spirit Airlines. It was it was just like Spirit Airlines with one extra I in it. And they'd uh, harvested a bunch of the resources off of the website so that it was using the same pictures and colors and text fonts and all that. And um, then it asks people to upload a copy of their driver's license, which is pretty common through a uh, job application process, which I think is, is BS. You should really only be requesting that kind of thing of your employees once they're going through the hiring process and once they get connected with HR and they get all their forms filled out. I mean, the employers really ask a lot up front. Um, and, uh, you know, that's just part of our whole broken hiring process. But uh, be careful when you're out there applying for jobs and uh, really take a second and third look at the application portals you're, yep. you're submitting your applications to. Yeah. Well, you know, they catch you at a moment of weakness. I, I clicked on a phishing link in one of my corporate clients yesterday. They had these fake phishing emails came in, and this thing came in. I was going through my email and said, oh, you have to fill out this new form. So I clicked on the link, and they said, you clicked on a phishing link. If you do this again, we're going to put you in for remedial training. And I'm like, hell. But it, it looked pretty good, and I didn't pay attention. Yeah, and I mean that what a what what a way to get college teachers. Oh, you've got to fill out this new form. Well, okay. No, I know this is again. <laughs> oh, oh, believe me, corp the amount of complete garbage you have to do in corporate stuff is unbelievable. I had yeah. to go to a whole training thing full of abs. It was just like a um a Saturday Night Live skit, a bureaucratic meaningless double talk. Yes. Uh just meaningless phrases, pages of meaningless management phrases. I couldn't make a sense out of say, you need to be aware of these management policies. And I'm like, I'm not aware of anything. <laughs> this looks yeah. like 
Looks like you took a uh, an obfuscated dictionary and ran it through a blender. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, well, I mean, especially when folks are out there trying to apply to jobs. I mean, you don't think about all of the layers of crap that you have to go through to apply. Yep. You just want to get your applications out there, pump those resumes out. And that's all most people are thinking about. So yeah. it's, a, it's a good opportunity to take advantage of folks. That's what I'm totally telling my poor friends who are college teachers is to just do a lot of applications everywhere. <laughs> well, and it isn't even just, uh, it isn't even just um, applications. Uh, some, some scammers are even, uh, one example in here, scammers had uh, impersonated the um, uh, California's Employment uh, Development Department, the EDD um, office, uh, impersonated their um, Facebook page. And, uh, you know, so this happens because this happens with employment agencies and unemployment agencies as well. And, and this is also a fantastic way to steal people's unemployment and stimulus money, because all you need to make your claim is uh, often in those resumes and in the job application portal. So yeah, yeah, makes sense. And people, that has been an issue where folks have been getting their legit, um, what well, their legit payments for unemployment that are due to them stolen. So yeah. watch out when you're out there. Yeah. Well, Caitlin is here with leaves falling off. And uh, you want to talk about Apple? Sure. Why don't I talk about Apple? Yeah. Um, so the Verge has an article uh, by uh, Emma Roth uh, talking about how Apple's app tracking policy. So Apple instituted a new policy on their app store to reduce the amount of tracking that apps do, or at least just, you know, put out disclaimers so that apps are less discouraged. Sorry, are, are more, are less encouraged, I should say, are less encouraged to track users. Um, and it turns out that just doing that costs social media platforms almost $10 billion. So just adding that, you know, reducing tracking on one type of device um, costs uh, for, and it just started just a few months ago, cost $10 billion already. How much money is there in tracking people? I mean, I thought, I thought, you know, it was like a few cents, but if you just imagine all the people with like phones using this stuff um, who, and not everyone with an iPhone has the most recent version, whatever. And most people don't have iPhones, but that's, um, like a lot of money per person per, you know. You know, when they say that if a product is free, then you're the product. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm extremely skeptical of that number because yeah. I think YouTube has like 25 other ways to track you. And Facebook certainly has 25 other ways to track you. So removing like one cookie doesn't really mean they don't know who you are. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's the other thing too. Is is that of course there are other ways to like throw ads, even even non-targeted ads. You would think would still be valuable. Yeah. Um, it's just this this large number seems e either wrong or ridiculous because nine nine billion dollars yeah. is a lot of money per user to yeah. be tracking them, and that's well, it's nine billion total. Among all the users, but yeah. About, yeah, even among all the users, if you think like, yeah. let's say there's like 10 million users or even 100 million users, yeah, 
uh, 10 billion is a lot of money per user. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, yeah. All it, all it means, of course, is they just need to develop a new tracking scheme that punches through Apple's privacy shield, which is what everybody does. That's what Uber did. That's what everybody does. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Anyway, and then well, I might as well go on to your nonprofit websites. Right. And speaking of ads, uh, so to follow up on that, the markup has an article talking about how nonprofit websites also now have ads and stuff too. And this is a big problem because we think about what a lot of nonprofits do, for example, like uh, Planned Parenthood, where you might want to have some privacy about what's what's going on with your your medical, yeah, uh, you know, family planning and stuff like that. Um, they are running ads which are tracking you um, and tracking what you're doing on these uh, nonprofit websites, which once again are are can be pretty sensitive regarding what you're doing on them. And only that, of course, these are nonprofit sites, not profit sites. So you don't, you kind of expect a certain amount of non-competitive corporate, you know, BS on these sites. But of course, you know, they're trying to make ends meet and they have these ads on their sites. So anyway, it's a problem. And I would imagine it's just a lack of technical knowledge. They probably don't realize that when you put an ad on there, you're giving them the right to like steal everything. Yeah, and that's exactly what I was going to say. And also, some of these um, nonprofits are using uh, free website builders um, like Wix and stuff that have that stuff already embedded into it as as part of the the package uh, that they use. And so they don't, they don't even think about that stuff. That's what that's what subsidizes the free like WYSIWYG uh, website editor or whatever. So it's just already embedded in there. And yeah, it reminds me of a nonprofit I knew where uh, some guy was going through his lab of machines, installing malware on them because he believed it was a fake anti-malware product. You know, he didn't, you know, if you don't know what you're doing, you just make things worse instead of better. All right. Anyway, then we got Urban with uh, the new Linux kernel. Yes, the new Linux kernel. It a five point fifteen is out or going to be out? Is out? No, it is out. Uh, it the uh, LTS, the long term support, and it has a couple of interesting things, like it has in support for NTFS versions three point one. What version of NTFS are we using now? I can't keep track. Me either. Yeah, uh, but it does support all the way up to three point one. It has better support for ButterFS, which is a problem I had. A while ago, Butter FS. Yeah, Butter FS. What is that? It's basically like RAID, but oh, uh, but software RAID. Wow, you're using that on your SAN or something? Yep. Oh, yep, yep, yep. Uh, it supports a bunch of uh, more hardware, so that's always cool. Mm -hmm. uh, can work with Hyper V clients, which that's that's awesome. Uh, it can support up to uh, the year 2038 for the XFS file system. Mm -hmm. I haven't tried XFS yet. And a bunch of other other uh, drivers, like the Nintendo Wii, for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah. Well, sounds good. Are any of the big distributions incorporating it yet? They're usually pretty far behind. Yeah, they're usually far behind. I haven't heard of anybody using it just yet. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. All right. And then we got Alan with uh, cake dust. Not cake dust, luster dust. 
That sounds even less appetizing. Oh, no, it sounds horrible. And if there were any, uh, if you needed any additional reason to scrape off all of that frosting from the cakes and and cupcakes in your life, well, here's yet another reason. Um, the CDC <clears throat> has published a in their morbidity and mortality weekly report findings from the. Public health just, just the thing you want to look at when you're thinking about cakes, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Some light reading for yeah. the beach. Yeah. Uh, the states of Rhode Island and Missouri, health departments in those two states, have uh, found multiple cases in which people, including very small, very young children, only a year old, were poisoned, um, lead poisoned, thanks to this so-called luster dust that had been sprinkled or mixed in with uh, frosting of cakes and cupcakes and such. And some of this luster dust is edible nominally and is labeled as such. And some of it is very clearly not edible, like the luster dust that includes <coughs> And unfortunately, the supply chain monitoring is no good. So as consumers, um, it's all too easy to eat this luster dust. Well, they say if it says non-toxic, that doesn't mean you can eat it. Well, that's news to me. When I was a kid, Play-Doh and Crayons and everything said non-toxic. So they figured it was okay when the kids ate them. What does non-toxic mean <laughs> if it doesn't mean you can eat it? Yes, well, in this case, because of the lead content, it most certainly is toxic. But it's, they, it's non toxic, it, right? Is it? Do they rate? Are they able to call it non toxic because usually you only use like a pinch of luster dust and these kids like ate a whole jar of it or something? Yeah, it sounds like in, in, in at least one case, the cake preparer really mixed in a lot of luster dust into the, into the frosting and multiple layers of the frosting. So there were mul multiple layers of, of uh, luster dust mixed in um <laughs> but i don't know I, I'm, I'm not a cake baker mm. and even if i were i most certainly would not be using luster dust um but the, the these uh reported cases of poisoning occurred um because of both home prepared and commercially prepared uh wow cake. yeah so it's a thing and it's an ongoing thing because I, I remember hearing things uh, like this many years ago and being told, I think it was probably my parents told not to eat the sprinkles on cakes because at least the, the funny looking silverish or metallic looking sprinkles because there have been cases of poisoning. So I think this is not a new problem that's been going on for decades. I never heard of it, but but I'm, I've never been sophisticated. I must say, the, the French nobility in medieval times would just put thinly pounded gold leaf on the cake. And that would be okay. They still do that, I think. Yeah. But these guys are using aluminum, barium, copper, iron, lead, manganese, which is just yeah. not the same. Yeah, lead pounds out very nicely, just like gold. Yep. <laughs> That's crazy, oh, I, though, that they would even think about putting that in there. Yeah. It's pretty gross, I have to say. And uh, I have seen the gold leaf um, on food 
in San Francisco. So yeah. it's it's out there. It's yeah, out there. I would imagine in San Francisco, it's probably using some unlabeled junk from China, which probably consists of this stuff. Well, and one thing that was kind of crazy about the story was that they found out about it after like several children, kids got sick after several children's birthday parties. Well, I mean, you know, you think about small children, they're not usually consuming like a metric ton of cake at a party. So it would seem that a fairly small amount of this luster dust is toxic to small children. Yeah. And I think it builds up in your body and never comes out. That's really not good. Not heavy metals. Yeah. Well, okay. No more luster dust. I'm putting that on my list. <laughs> yeah, just take that frosting right off. No frosting. Yeah, yeah. And, and 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 in case you don't feel paranoid enough, you also have to quit breathing. I've got this story from another ProPublica, which is really doing great work. They made a map of all the places that are contaminated with air pollution, enough to cause cancer in America, and it's pretty much what you would expect. It's within a few miles of every like major industrial plant like processing oil or anything so i i searched here for the san francisco bay area and they say the it's martinez where they have like a huge refinery yeah exactly what you'd think you know they say those things are spewing out enough carcinogens in the air for a few miles around them to create a zone of uh of pollution and they've got thousands of these mapped all over the united states so it's pretty interesting in case your parents didn't tell you not to eat the luster dust and not to live like right next to the factory belching out smoke. You can look at this map and get another reminder that you really shouldn't live next to a factory that's belching out smoke. Well, and I know, uh, I know Richmond's bad, uh, because, um, of the refineries and some, and the other. They've had some major spills out there and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. They're not on this list though. And I think, I think they actually shut that place down. I'm not sure, but. Well, some of them, but the refineries are still going and uh, they've noticed in Richmond, which of course is historically a community for uh, poor black and brown folks that the incidence of asthma is much higher than average uh, in the radius around the um, refinery. I would expect the water is probably polluted too. Probably. Um, that I know that it has been in the Bay in the past from um, pesticide manufacturing companies so that the, the channels going in and out of the Bay into the Richmond like industrial zone have super high levels of contaminants in it. And they tell you not to eat any of the fish or anything. Yeah. People do, but. <laughs> and down in the South Bay, it's from all the chip manufacturing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So there you are, something to cheer you up in case you the luster dust isn't enough fun. And and then um, you can have a tungsten cube from, from Liz. Yeah, so in case you didn't think that NFTs were already stupid enough, here's one for you. Uh, well, I saw one at DEF CON. One of our gang had a tungsten cube. He brought it. Hey, check this out. It's yeah, well, uh, you could uh, be bidding on the opportunity to uh, digitally own a tungsten cube and be able to touch it once a year. So uh, there is a story in um, Motherboard from Vice about uh, 
a group that is uh, setting up an NFT that is going to be a 1,784 pound cube of tungsten in Illinois. Um, and uh, basically, I mean, this is just complete absurdism. Um, a, uh, uh, a yeah, a, 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 a crypto exchanges um, employee uh, sent off a tweet about a non-existent uh, tungsten shortage uh, thanks to buying, thanks to crypto th traders buying cubes of tungsten, which yeah, was- I think that fooled me. I think I thought that shortage was real. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, a lot of people did uh, actually. Um, and uh because of the meme, then it actually caused a real one because people did a, a run on buying tungsten cubes. Uh, so the company that manufactures them was like, hey, uh, we're now running out of tungsten cubes because now people are buying them because of a meme. Well, it's a short squeeze, right? The price will go up. Right. And and then it just gets even more ridiculous. Uh they uh this 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 1700 pound tungsten cube doesn't actually exist but uh then um these uh multiple like crypto companies in the crypto space partnered up and and one of them said oh well this is just going to be so clever because crypto just has a propensity for the density so they decided to set this up as an nft and um, offer people the uh, chances to bid on this. And um, people are actually bidding on it. And uh, right now it's up to like over $200,000. And if you win, uh, what you get to do is uh, you get one visit to see photograph slash touch the cube per calendar year, uh, which will be supervised by a uh, representative of the company. And uh, you can only do it once a year. They won't let you do it twice a year. And uh, they need 10 weeks after the, the auction closes to actually build the cube. So you know, if you have too much money, an excess of money and a uh, deficit of cents, definitely go bid on this. You know, I wonder, like within one year, how many of these NFT products are going to be on blockchains that have been abandoned and died and and the websites are down, you know. <laughs> That's why I, I see some other articles here where someone said, what you do with your NFT is you borrow money, use this collateral, and then default. That's probably the only way to get any money out of it anyway. Yeah, what if what if, what if uh, Midwest tungsten folds and I still want to go touch my cube in thirty years? Then what? I would imagine they will probably never actually make the cube. How long would it be before anybody noticed? <laughs> anyway, all right, and uh, so then we got Caitlin with uh, flights on hydrogen. You know, I have a feeling they've tried that before. Right. Um, yeah. So there's been there's been some attempts at getting airplanes off jet fuel. Uh, and there are two really good reasons for this. One, jet fuel is bad for the environment. It's basically like pure gasoline that's like designed to be aerosoled really easily. Um, and also uh, it's super expensive. Um, and so if you've ever done any, so when you fly a, a private plane, 
um, you actually have gas stations at the airport and you, you fly, I, I don't say fly, you taxi up to the gas station. And then it's just like you, you would put gas in a car, except that it's all funky and you don't have like the locks and safety stuff. You just stuff the hose into the wing of the aircraft and fill her up. Um, and it's super expensive. So, but you know, you really need, uh, the right type of fuel because weight is an issue, right? You can't have a ton of fuel or less efficient fuel because every pound of fuel, you know, is working against you. Um, and yeah, so you, so that jet fuel and is pretty much used across the entire airline industry. Um, anyway, so CNBC has an article written by, let's see, this is uh, Amar uh, 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 Frangel um, talking about how there's a new airplane coming out by Zero Avia, who I, I've never heard of Zero Avia before, but they are making a 19-seater. So this is not like a 737. This is not a big airliner. This is just a small, you know, charter plane. But it will run entirely on hydrogen, uh, which presumably will be much cheaper than, than jet fuel. Um, and also gets people to where they, they need to go in a more environmentally satisfying manner. So instead of having contrails made of water as well as a bunch of nasty chemicals, now we'll just have contrails of just water because when you burn hydrogen, you get water, which is fine. So uh, just one question here. Didn't they use hydrogen instead of helium in the Hindenburg? Because it was What could possibly go wrong with they putting did. hydrogen, you know, in an aircraft when it crashes? I mean, come on, Liz. Don't, don't, you should, what could possibly go come wrong? Come on, Liz, What's yeah. Something? To be fair, it might not be any worse than jet fuel. Yeah. Uh, but also, uh, the other thing is it's not green because they make that hydrogen from oil. <laughs> Wait, they do? Yes, wow. they do. They burn yeah. oil to make the hydrogen. <laughs> so wow. It's kind of like ethanol. You uh, you don't notice the emissions, but anyway. I would have no thought that... way to make it? Yeah, I was going to say, I thought I thought you would make it through electrolysis. Just yeah, then you have to make then you have to burn oil to make the electricity. There are there's this came out a few weeks ago. They were analyzing like hydrogen powered things and saying, you know, the current technologies to make hydrogen are not green at all. Oh well, I mean, I would hope that you would just set up a little solar plant at your, you know, airfields that could just then run directly into. It does take a lot of power to do electrolysis. You know, yeah. Or, yeah. And, you know, to separate the hydrogen and the oxygen, then you have to, it's also a big safety issue too, because when you have pure oxygen, that becomes a big thing. You have to dispose of that correctly and make sure it's separated from the hydrogen. And then you have to package the hydrogen because as Liz pointed out, hydrogen kind of explodes too. Um, but uh, yeah. Clearly, I, I, clearly what you need to do is get one of those small nukes and power your airplane with that. Once again, um, uh, wait, wrong. nukes are heavy. I know that's a problem. Yeah. 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 So you, even, even with the power you get from like a, a hyper advanced fusion engine, um, it might just be too heavy for aircraft. So hydrogen, I'm glad that, that we're looking into new or companies are putting out products that use alternatives to jet fuel because. Oh yeah. Yeah. And we may eventually solve some of the other problems in the industry. Yeah. Yep. And, 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 and if they, and yeah, I was not aware that, I mean, I, it, it does take a lot of power to get that hydrogen, but I was not aware that it was 
that people were not thinking about um, uh, using green energy sources for this because that seemed like a no-brainer. <laughs> well, their point is just to make it the cheapest way possible. All right. And then uh, Urban's got decryptors. Yes. Uh, in the continued fight against ransomware, there is a number of decryptors that have been released. But these uh, are not for the big strange of ransomware, unfortunately. Yeah. But it, you know, little, little improvements, little improvements to make, uh, make life better and, and continue that fight because it's, it's still ongoing, even though we're not talking about it as much is it's just like background noise now. Yeah. Um, it's, it's still happening. It's still real, still affects folks. Yeah. And MC soft, I see them in the news a lot. Their company makes all these free decryptors, which is pretty mm -hmm. nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's definitely wonderful to make free decryptors for the ones you can. Yeah. And it also means that the students that wish to get jobs making ransomware can have, have high-quality cryptography training. So anyway. Uh, yep, yep. And Alan has the one that was the source of all the buzzwords to make a great title. Isotropic nanovoids and single-pulse micro-explosions. Let's hear this stuff, Alan. This is truly a great story and some very interesting technology. Researchers at Southampton, or rather University of Southampton in the UK have released a, uh, a, an article on their new technology that is uh, high-speed, ultra-fast laser and isotropic nanostructuring by energy deposition control via near-field enhancement. And that is just the title of their paper. Um, this technology uses not three, not four, but five dimensions in order to store data optically. And uh, I really can't do this, this technology or this article uh, or this uh, study justice. So I'll just read part of the abstract because it's a very impressive scientific engineering word salad. Um, the recent progress in five-dimensional 5D optical data storage based on anisotropic nanostructures written by femtosecond laser pulses in transparent materials reveals its potential for real-world applications, but high writing speed and density remain a major challenge. Here, we propose a method for rapid and energy efficient writing of highly localized anisotropic nanostructures in silicon glass by energy modulated megahertz rate femtosecond pulses. An isotropic nanovoid is initially generated with pulse energy above the micro explosion threshold and then elongated to an anisotropic nano lamella like structure via the near field enhancement effect by lower energy pulses, minimizing the unwanted thermal effects from megahertz rate femtosecond pulses. The anisotropic nanostructures are exploited for 5D data storage with a rate of 10 to the six voxel voxels per second, corresponding to a demonstrated fast information recording of approximately 225 kilobytes a second and potentially high density data storage of approximately 500 terabytes per disk. So there. Yeah, it sounds great. And 
And, you know, I used to do this when I did my PhD. So actually, most of that makes sense to me. But, Does it? Okay. Yeah, we used, we used these uh, brief laser pulses in uh, glass pump lasers. and well, uh, That's right. You, yes, the lasers. You were, you were doing the lasers. I was incompetently building the lasers and blowing them up. Other people around me were actually getting it right, though. Anyway, um, but yeah, we, we, that's, that actually sounds pretty good. It, it could be like the next Blu-ray after they get it working. Yeah, this is truly next level Blu-ray. Yeah. Although I, I noticed that they, they're saying 225 kilobytes per second. Which yeah. Really slow. Yeah, no, they said, they said you need to speed it up and I'm sure you need to make it cheaper, but yeah. you know, putting 500 terabytes on a disc, you'll need that so you can go into the metaverse. <laughs> right. We're going to need all the storage for the metaverse. Absolutely true. Well, you know, why don't we have the holodeck where you just walk around and 3D complete beings come up and talk to you and stuff? You need you need a lot more processing and a lot more uh, data to do that, you know, and that's clearly what everybody wants. Yeah, the sneaker net's going to make a comeback here. Yeah. Yeah. One, one of the things that, that I specifically did when I came up with my when I moved into my new place is I have a large amount of open area in sort of my main area because of things like VR and stuff where you put on a, a helmet and you kind of walk around a little bit. And in the future, maybe that'll be a staple of, of modern building design where you just have large open spaces for holograms and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds great. All right. I think that's it. Let's see. Yeah, that's it. So what is it? It's uh Tuesday. So we will be back on Friday. All right. Farewell.